Entrepreneurs Over 40, Episode 64, with Rachel Lindtigen talking about SEO. What you're going to look for is content where your website has a really good chance of ranking on page one for that keyword. Because if you can't rank on page one for the keyword, you're not going to get traffic because nobody goes to page two. So you're wasting your time. So you want to choose a keyword that you can rank on page one. You want to write amazing content that is going to provide value for your ideal customer. You're going to anticipate their needs, their wants, their questions. You're going to provide value. You're listening to Entrepreneurs Over 40, the show for somewhat mature entrepreneurs and side hustlers. And now your host, Greg Mills. Our guest today has a BA in broadcast journalism and an MBA in marketing. She's a marketing expert with more than 20 years of experience. She's focused on SEO and content for the past decade, working with some of the biggest e-commerce retailers, creating strategies that drove eight figures annually from SEO for most of her clients. Today, she runs Etched Marketing and teaches SEO to overwhelm entrepreneurs in an easy-to-understand, non-techie way so they can get more website traffic without buying ads. She calls herself a nerd who loves words. or amongst friends. Without further ado, Rachel Lynn Tigen. Yep, Lynn Tigen. Hi. Thank you so much for having me here today. I appreciate it. It's our pleasure. Now, Rachel, can you take a few moments and fill in the gaps from that intro and bring us yeah, up to speed with what's going on in your world? Yeah, absolutely. So I've done a little bit of everything when it comes to marketing over the course of my career. I've worked for special events. I've worked for nonprofits. I've worked for the corporate office of a franchise. I worked in ad agencies. And for the last five years, I've worked for myself, servicing small business owners, helping them with content marketing and search engine optimization, and now transitioning into offering online courses and teaching others how to do this so that they can really understand the power of Google and get that free website traffic to their businesses so that they can grow without having to invest a lot of money in ads. Because so often, small business owners and entrepreneurs don't really have a big ad budget to work with. So we've got to learn how to really leverage the free marketing channels. Okay. Now, did you come from an entrepreneurial background at all? Did anybody in your family have their own business? Not really. My mom was in real estate for a few years when I was a kid. My dad was in hotel management. My grandparents did. My grandparents on my dad's side owned a marina and my great-great-grandfather was a boat builder in Canada. So yes, generations back, my parents, not so much. I read on your website that your dad knew that you were a born marketer. How did he know that? So my dad ran hotels and went to, there's a hotel school in Switzerland. He ran big, fancy hotels. He always had marketing teams who worked with him and marketing directors. And from the time I was probably seventh grade, when I started talking about wanting to go into journalism, my dad said, oh, honey, you're a born marketer. He just said he felt like it fit my personality. It fit my interests. It would suit me well, and it would allow me to support myself Whereas journalism wasn't necessarily going to be as lucrative, nor was it going to have the schedule that I would ultimately want once I had a family. So he was unfortunately right. He and I had a lot of conversations about it while I was in college. He unfortunately passed away while I was in college. So he never got to see me 
actually end up fulfilling that destiny that he was certain was going to be there for me. So it's kind of funny. It's also kind of bittersweet. Well, I'm sure he's looking down on you and he's proud of you. I would think so. <laughs> How many hours a week are you working in etched marketing now? And what do you do with the remainder of your time? Yeah. So my goal right now is to work between two and three days a week. So my goal is to work 15, maybe 20 hours. I try to limit to like Tuesday, Thursday, picking up Wednesdays because things have been pretty busy, but I have a lot that I'm juggling. Not only am I running the business and servicing my clients and my students, but I'm also the one running all the content and everything for my own business. Um, my mother, unfortunately, has Alzheimer's and dementia. She's in a memory care center and I am her primary person. So I'm in and out of there on a fairly regular basis, also dealing with all of her doctors, taking her to all of her appointments. And I have a seven-year-old, so I'm very much in that sandwich generation. I've got pressure on both ends. My husband works a very long, very long schedule, very demanding job and is not available a whole lot to help during the week. So I stay incredibly busy, even though I only work part-time just because there's so much. And that's what I really needed was balance because there were two, I was being pulled in too many directions and I found that I had to reduce my hours, but I was able to maintain my productivity and maintain my sales figures and revenue goals and everything while working part-time because I'm super focused when I work. And you left out, I think you're also a big sister, aren't you? I was in Big Brothers Big Sisters for many years. I am not officially, but I am still in contact with my little sister. I'm also on the board of the PTO at the elementary school. And because I'm crazy, I'm the president of the HOA board in my neighborhood because we were having all sorts of crazy problems last year. And it was like, I can help. I can fix this. They just need somebody organized to get this taken care of and established communication. And I didn't bargain for being made president, but we resolve most of the issues. So yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> yeah. So I've heard those HOAs can be crazy. Uh, there, there are some people who need more to keep them busy. Maybe you should bring them into your business. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually said that seriously and I caught myself mid sentence. So, what are you thinking? <laughs> it's crazy. The things that people get worked up about when they don't have enough on their time, enough to keep them busy, is insane. Yeah. Now, you were a director of marketing for several firms before you left. How'd you get your entrepreneurial start, so to speak? So, I wanted to go out on my own probably from about 2006. So, fairly early on in my career, I wanted that flexibility. And you've got to remember all of this, like I went out on my own pre-COVID. You didn't have this remote work from home, work from, none of that really existed. You were lucky to get one day a week. I had always wanted to do it, but I didn't feel like I had enough background. I didn't feel like I had enough experience. I have a real problem with the two-year experts. <laughs> like some of us work 20 years to get to where we are. We, we have a lot of education and background. And I felt like I needed to have more to be able to serve as clients. As far as where, like when I did it, I couldn't find a job at my level that was going to work that was flexible enough. Because again, pre-COVID, I was looking for something that would allow me to work like 
6.30 to 3 or 7 to 4 or allow me to work from home maybe two days a week, maybe something that didn't have a huge commute. We were in Phoenix at the time and I was commuting an hour each way. And my son was like 16 months old at the time. And I didn't see him in the mornings because of the schedule. And if I went in and saw him, it woke him. And then he was up for the day. And my husband was struggling, trying to wait till the nanny got there so he could go to work. And I just couldn't go on like that. I wanted to be able to be, I waited till I was 39 to have him. I wanted to raise him. So that was my biggest motivation. I can understand that. I've yeah. had a, a lot of other entrepreneurs say that having a child kind of spurred them to take action. Yeah. So why the name Etched Marketing? <laughs> because I couldn't figure out what in the world to call the business. And my husband and I were sitting talking about it. And I didn't want to use our my married name because it's difficult to pronounce. You can't spell it. Nobody knows what it is. I wasn't going to try to have that in a URL because nobody's going to find Linda Hagen Mark. It wasn't going to work. So I was trying to figure out, and I didn't want to do a personal brand. I wanted to build a business that could scale. And he and I were brainstorming. He actually was the one who came up with it. So all sorts of, he came home from work one night and he had this brainstorm list. He'd sat at lunch and just all sorts of ideas. It was like, I kind of like that. It was the one I hated the least. <laughs> And here we are five years later and several iterations of the website and several iterations of branding and it's still etched marketing. Yeah. I've got to ask too, and feel free to say, Hey, none of your business, but what does your husband do? My husband's an engineer. Okay. I was kind of guessing he might either be an IT or engineering and yeah. I'm an IT as well. So. Yeah. He's an engineer. He's got a background in software and hardware engineering, both. He actually is the one who built my current website along with my course platform. He handles all the tech side of my business for me because I know enough about coding to break a website. So I'm not allowed to make any changes. <laughs> yeah. I noticed you offered a minification and I was like, oh, okay, that's a little, that's more technical than I, and then I would have thought you would have been taking on. And there's tools I've, that do minification really easily. Yeah. I've managed to, to mess some of them up too. So oh. <laughs> The minification tools and the, the website cash tools don't really play well together, especially if they're different brands I've found yeah. out. Yeah. So, so who is your ideal target customer? I love working with small business owners. I have a couple clients right now that I absolutely love. Small business owners, local businesses, people who have been established and they've been in business. One of them they their family has run the business for 35 almost 40 years another one they've had the business about 15 years but it's people who are established they're known in their market they have a good reputation already and i can help them take what they've started and really build from there i actually talked to one of my new clients today and she was so funny she's have has the stuff you've done like is any of it on the website yet? Is it starting to work? Because I've had three phone calls already from people. And when I asked them where they found me, they told me they found me on Google. Is that what you're doing? And I said, yeah, that's what we're doing. She's like, how do we keep doing more? And so we've been working about a month. She's already gotten three leads and they're a real estate property management company. So three leads is really good. Um, it's people like that that I love to work with. People who are excited about what they do. They're good at what they do. And they maybe 
don't know how to get to the next level, how to be found on Google, how to get traffic from Google, but they are open to learning and doing it. I don't like clients who don't take the recommendations that you give them or give you a bunch of excuses why it won't work because it's true. It's not going to succeed. It's not going to succeed. They're not going to get the results if they don't do the work or they don't allow you to do the work. And then it's a waste of money for both of you. Waste of or money, waste of money waste. for them and a waste of time for me. Yeah. Waste of money and time. So yeah. to say. So walk us through kind of some of the services that you provide through edge marketing. So I have three different core packages depending on a client's needs and their budget and how comfortable they are with the idea of trying SEO and content marketing. So if they're just starting to dip their toe into it, they just want to do a little bit to see how it works, then I have a starter package and that's where we optimize five pages. So I go through, I tell them what pages I think we should optimize based on their Google Analytics and their current performance. Then I do some keyword research for them. I write their title tags in their meta descriptions. I minify their images for them if they have because so many, they have really big images on their website and those slow down the website. And Google likes a fast bite. Images are usually the number one issue. So I do that. I give them some tips or feedback on their copy. Some of them, so they seem to take either package one, which is that one, or package three, which is the everything plan where it's that. Plus we set the content strategy. We do a competitive analysis on their local market where we look at three different competitors and what are they doing from an SEO standpoint and a content standpoint. And I put together a strategy for their blog and I give them ideas. This is how often you should blog. This is the type of content. Here's your first 12 ideas. The client I was meeting with today, that's what they're doing right now. And they're like, okay, but when we're done with this, what do we do next? So I do from there, if they want to do like ongoing, I do create their blog posts. I run their reports. I track everything and adjust their strategy. Some of the clients that I do that side of it for, I've been working with for... I think we just passed the four-year mark with one of them. When you're generating content for your clients, how are you doing that? Because who would know better than them what kind of content that they could provide or what they could do? So one of them that I've written their blog post for years is a Montessori preschool. I was a Montessori mom. My son went to a Montessori. My stepdaughter went to Montessori. I have been in the Montessori world for the last 10 years. So it's pretty easy for me to write their blog posts. I go through and I identify where the opportunities are for them. So these are the keywords that you could potentially rank for. These are tied to your core business lines. These are tied to revenue. Like, here's what I think we should go after. And then I write the initial draft and then they let me know, okay, we do it slightly different here. We do this, we do that. And we adjust accordingly. Some of the other clients, I've just given them the strategy and the ideas and the keywords and said, this is what you need to write your blog post on. So it really depends on how comfortable they are, what their resources are like. But I've been doing this for a long time. I can write on all sorts of stuff. So, you know, I went to journalism school. You can pretty quickly figure out how to write a blog post on a certain topic when you understand and you've written that many pieces over the years. Fair enough. I guess I didn't think that one through. How are you identifying like the keywords? Are you using special tools like Neil Patel's? So there's a number of them. When I was with the agency, Mon tended to be my favorite tool. But now that I'm on my own and I'm teaching, I've actually switched over to 
Uber Suggest, which is Neil Patel's tool. It's not my favorite, but at the price point, it's really good for my students. And it's really good for somebody who does not have a professional background in it. It makes it pretty easy to find the opportunities. So I really go about an SEO-informed content strategy. So I use whichever keyword tool. There's Moz, there's Uber Suggest, there's SEM Rush, there's the Google Keyword Planner, there's small SEO tools, there's a bunch of them. Use whichever one you're comfortable with, whichever one you like. You're going to get the same data generally from all of them because it comes straight from Google. What you want to do is look in there and see what keywords show up. Like just start with something that's base related to your business, related to your product or your service. And go in and just start seeing what shows up. You're going to see a lot of questions. You're going to see a lot of queries, things that maybe you can use just as they are in their perfect blog post title, or maybe it gives you an idea to go from there. What you're going to look for is content where your website has a really good chance of ranking on page one for that keyword. Because If you can't rank on page one for the keyword, you're not going to get traffic because nobody goes to page two. So you're wasting your time. So you want to choose a keyword that you can rank on page one. You want to write amazing content that is going to provide value for your ideal customer. You're going to anticipate their needs, their wants, their questions. You're going to provide value. Your final step is that you're going to optimize that content for Google meaning you're going to create a title tag and a meta description, and you're going to use that keyword in your file name and in your header tags and all those different areas that Google's going to look at so that Google understands what it's about. I always start my content strategy, my content development at keyword research because that's the key to having success with it. Now, you're a big fan of organic traffic, and I can understand to a point, but you had also listed several other reasons that I had not even thought about on your website. Can you talk a little bit about why you're such a fan? Well, organic traffic, I mean, first and foremost, it's free. Right. So easier to scale. It's also very scalable because once you understand the formula, every single blog post that you write is another opportunity for your website to rank at the top of Google to get traffic to sell your products or services, to get people to your website. The other thing is that people are more inclined to believe and trust the organic listings than to trust the paid ads. So when we look at the Google search results, those paid ads at the top, a lot of people just skip off. So an average click-through rate on those, a good click-through rate is 3%, meaning 97 out of 100 don't click. But when we get to the number one position from natural search immediately below the ads, the average is 34 to 37%, depending upon which research study you're following. So people are 10x more likely to click on the first organic listing than the ads. And then when we start talking about social media, the ad numbers, I mean, the click-through rates are even lower. A good click-through rate on Facebook ads is 1%. Because it's interruption marketing. Think about it. When you're trying to get somebody's attention on Facebook, you're using bright colors, you're using bright copy, you're using images to catch their attention because they're there for something else. When someone is searching on Google and they're looking for an answer, you're giving them exactly what they're looking for. You're going to get better results. 
What are some of the common problems that, you know, businesses have with their blogs or their websites that you see? So there's only a handful of them, probably number one. So number one and number two, they've done nothing from an SEO standpoint. They don't have title tags. They don't have meta descriptions. They've just used whatever is the standard that their system produced. There's nothing there. So the second thing that I see that's the biggest mistake is that people think that SEO won't work for them because they've tried it, but they actually got it wrong because they weren't really sure what they were doing. So either they've targeted a keyword that their website's never going to rank for, or they've written title tags or meta descriptions, but they've not followed the best practices. And so they've not done them the right way. Most of the time, though, it comes down to targeting. Because if you've tried SEO and it didn't work, I can generally look at your website in a matter of minutes and tell you why it didn't work. I actually have this conversation with a client during my call this morning. We, we're looking at what words can we rank for? What words can't we rank for? And I say, you know what? We're never going to rank for the daycare keywords. We're on page two. That's as far as we're going to get. So if they try to go after daycare where they're up against La Petite and Tudor Time and like all these big national chains and they're one local Montessori school. They're not going to outrank them because in Google's eyes, they're not as authoritative on the subject of daycare as these big national chains. So it's the same thing if you're like a decorator and you're trying to go after the word mirror or home decor. Like when I worked at the agency and I worked with clients that had three and four, 500 locations, they ranked for those words. Us as small business owners and entrepreneurs, we're never going to rank for them. And that's okay. So we have to kind of shift our thought process. The biggest search demand is not necessarily the best keyword. The best keyword is the best opportunity that we can rank at the top of page one on Google for. And that's a lot of what I, I work with my clients on. It's also a big part of what I teach my students is how to find those keywords where you can rank on page one. But the thing that I tell people like in some of my trainings is just think about the words you're looking at. Go to Google. If you're seeing big national brands, you need a different keyword. What you want to really see in the results are people that you know, you recognize, they're local, they're similar to you, then you're probably on a pretty good track. You can learn more. You can learn exactly how to do it, but that's going to get you headed in the right direction. Okay. What kind of tools, both free and paid tools, do you advocate for people to use to improve their SEO? So the most important tools, in my opinion, are a keyword research tool, whichever one you want, whether it's Uber Suggest, Google, Keyword, you pick. Google Search Console is really good because that allows you to look. It used to be Webmaster Tools. It allows you to look into it and see how's my indexation. Does Google know all the pages that I've submitted? You can put your sitemap in there. You can do things. There is keyword data, but within the professional SEO industry, we don't really trust that. We say that it's directional at best because about 10, eight, maybe 10 years ago, Google pulled all the keyword data out of Google Analytics. And then they started giving us some over in Webmaster Tools but it never aligned. It was never the same. So look at it. Consider it's got some benefit, but don't, don't make your decisions based upon what's in there. The other tools that you should absolutely be using 
would be something like Mozbar to be able to look and see what is your website's domain authority, what is the website, what is the domain authority of your competing websites. There are some tools that you can use to check backlinks because it's really important. Backlinks are part of what impacts your website's domain authority, which is what Google thinks your website is, how authoritative Google thinks your website is, more likely to write if you've got good backlinks. So checking stuff like that, you can use Ahrefs, you can use OpenSite Explorer. There's different ones. If you use OverSuggest, they have a backlink explorer. I also like from a content planning standpoint, I like obviously the keyword tools, but I like to go to Google and look at Google suggested search and see Start with my my term that I'm thinking of using and find out what is Google suggesting? What does Google think I might be searching? Because that's data that's relevant and recent. You're also going to get related searches. You're also going to get people may ask. These are a lot of really great content idea generators. There's a tool called Answer the Public. It's been private. Uber Suggest just recently bought it. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to impact everything going forward. But it's another great one where you can put your keywords in and you can start to see what type questions people ask. And then ultimately, Google Analytics. You need to track your performance. So whatever keyword research tool you're using, you generally also have an option of tracking keyword performance if you have a paid account. So Google does not have that, but like Uber Suggest, Moz, SEMrush, all of them do. You want to track your performance because otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> so you want to track your keyword positioning. You want to track your organic traffic within Google Analytics. You want to look at your engagement metrics. How much do people like the content that you're creating? Is it the right content? Are they reading a bunch of it or are they just looking at it and being like, yeah, no. <laughs> so there's a lot. Those are probably the main ones would be a keyword research tool, a keyword rank tool, something to check the domain authority of the websites and content planning tools, along with analytics to track your performance. Now, in 2022 and beyond, what online platforms do you see as being the best for small business owners to engage in? I think really, if they don't have a website right now, they're missing out. They need to have a website. It needs to have content and it needs to be optimized because without that, without content and optimization, they're not going to show up in Google. They're not going to get traffic. Then I do think they need to choose at least one social media channel. They don't have to do them all. They don't have to jump on every trend, but they need to choose one and they need to really think about their ideal customer. What channel is your ideal customer the most likely to spend their time on and focus on that and follow the best practices for that channel? And that means if it's Instagram, you gotta make reels. Nobody likes to do it. Nobody wants to dance. Nobody wants to feel a fool. Nobody wants to do that. But you know what? If I put up a plain old video, if I put up a plain old picture, I get like three likes. If I do a video where I teach the same four things, I yesterday's video got 3,000 views and 40 likes. You have to give the algorithm what it wants. And on social, it's video. But you've got to do that to expand your reach and to help your audience get to know you, but above all, direct them back to your website. Get them on your email list. Get them used to coming to your website because you don't own social. And as the algorithms change, 
your exposure changes, and you're building your business on somebody else's land. It's borrowed land. It's not yours. The final thing I'm going to say is if you're using an email address that's your business name at Gmail, you need to get a real email for your business, set it up through G Suite. It's like five bucks a month, but you don't look professional when you are using those other emails. And I know we're talking, we're here, we're over 40. We're, let's, let's admit right now, if you have an Outlook, you have a Ymail, you have Yahoo, anything, AOL, my friend teases because she's still got an AOL and she sends the grandma emoji every time she gives it out. You need to get rid of that email address because you're going to be seen as obsolete and old. So if you're using something regular, it needs to be Gmail, but for your business, it needs a business email, me at mybusiness.com. What are you hearing from your clients about how edge marketing has increased their, their clients and their cash flow, et cetera? So one client, we've more than doubled their organic traffic since we've been working together. We were looking at it recently. We've had 17,000 unique visits, 17,000 new potential customers who've come to the website since we've been working together. The other one was talking about the fact that they got three leads and we've, we've barely done anything. We've, we've optimized five pages and they've already gotten three leads. I have another one where we've gotten about 600 emails on a new email list because we put, we optimized and then we put the opt-in on that blog post that's ranking. So that's part of what we go through is look and see what's the low-hanging fruit. But in general, it's that we're driving traffic, we're generating leads. Some Most of my clients, SEO is their number one traffic generating channel and the number one lead generating channel. So it's they're excited to continue working because their phones are ringing, they're enrolling students, they're selling products. And when they're asking people, how did you find out about me? They're saying, from Google. You've touched on this a little bit earlier, but tell us about some of the courses that you offer. I yeah. believe you have got both a free introductory course as well as your super, I'm sorry, I keep wanting to append super to the simple SEO program. Maybe you should re rebrand that super simple super. SEO. <laughs> Absolutely. So I do have a free introductory one and that's right on the website. And that's where you can start learning how to get traffic to your website. And that's just the intro. It's going to walk you through a few different things you can do ways that you can get traffic. And then it does introduce you to Simple SEO Content, which is my full course. That's 11 modules. It's A to Z, everything you need to know about SEO and content without fluff and without getting super technical. So the reason I named it Simple SEO is because when I talked to potential students and I did my research, they were afraid of SEO. They knew they needed to do it, but there was like this shame around, I'm not sure if I'm smart enough. I don't know if I can figure this out it, above my pay grade. I don't even understand what SEO is. I've heard about it. And so I wanted them really to understand this is easy. Once you get what you have to do, it's a rinse and repeat process. So I walk them through step by step. This is how you come up with ideas. This is how you find the keywords. Here's how you create the content. Here's how you batch your content. Here's how you optimize it. Like just to make it as easy as possible. Here's what you want to track. These are the reports you want to run. Here's the templates you can use. Really trying to make it easy for them because my students 
are busy entrepreneurs. They're people who don't yet have the money to outsource this to someone else. They need to do it themselves, but they also need to make sure that they're getting it right. And there's so much misinformation out there when it comes to small business marketing and SEO and content. And it broke my heart because for years, I was at the big agency working with Fortune 500 clients and I would get calls from friends and family members who were small business owners saying, is this what I'm supposed to do? I just got this call. This is the top. And I'm like, no, don't do that. Don't pay them. That's a scam. Don't. No, no, no. Don't do it. I'll walk you through how you do it. That takes you five minutes. Don't do that. And so when I went out on my own, I didn't want to work with the big guys because they can afford to hire whoever they want. And I had a non-compete, so I couldn't go after some of them. But I really, in my heart, I wanted to help my friends and my family and small business owners and people who I was tired of seeing them get taken advantage of. And so I wanted to be able to help to teach them. And I tell my clients and my students, my job is to help teach you so that you don't need me ultimately, or so that if you outsource this, you know enough to make sure you're getting your money's worth. Okay. Now, what are you working on that's new and exciting? I'm kind of taking a breather right now because I just launched. So I took Simple SEO and turned it into Simple SEO content and launched it about 30 days ago because my students were begging to learn about the content side of things. They were going through the course, but their questions were all related to content. And they're like, we want a content course. So I did that. I also did an entire new website and all the new packages. And I brought on a bunch of new clients. So it's working. I'm, gr- I'm very happy. Right now, I very thankfully got my son back in school recently and am enjoying just catching up. As far as where am I going next, I'm not 100% sure. Part of me is thinking maybe a marketing membership down the road where I continue to work. I love helping and working with my students and maybe something like that maybe taking on a few more clients. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure because I just came through this huge, I mean, it was more than a year process in the works. And I'm like breathing. I just cleaned off my whiteboard for the first time in months. (laughs) What's been the most difficult part of running etched marketing for you? I think at times it's having faith in yourself. Because when you work for a company, you feel secure. You feel like, I know I've got a paycheck coming. I know this is happening. I know this will be okay. And the reality is you're not really safe. Like, especially when you're in a a role like marketing and you're older, I've survived 2008. I got laid off. I worked for a nonprofit in 08. Well, you know what? Everybody was broke. We were in a recession. Donations were down. The very first department to get cut was marketing. So, and then when I left the agency world, it was because we were bought by an investment group and they laid off some of the higher level. I was senior director. They laid off some of the higher level people. They didn't know us. They'd never met us. They just looked at numbers on a spreadsheet and went out, out, out. So it was a false sense of security. But here, good or bad, it's all on me. If I am successful or I'm not, if I make money or not, it's all on me. And there are days that that's 
exciting and there are days that that's really scary. In some respects, it sounds like you almost suffer from imposter syndrome, but how are you managing to compete with these two-year experts? Well, <laughs> I'll say that I think we all in some way, one way or another, deal with imposter syndrome. I think we all do. If we're not at some point dealing with it, we're probably not being very realistic and true in our parts. As for me and the two-year experts, God, I love them. I focus on my background and my experience. And generally, I can beat a two-year expert any day because as soon as somebody starts talking and asking questions, I end up with people who heard me on a podcast a year and a half ago emailing me and saying, I just happened to listen to this podcast and love the way that you explain stuff. Are you taking on clients now? That's where most of my clients come from is either they find my website, they find my blog through search, or they find me on a podcast. And they're like, I love how you teach. A two-year expert doesn't have the background. They've never sat in a boardroom at a huge company with the president of e-commerce asking why this happened. Why does our trend line look like this? What's our strategy to fix it? I have. I've been in those meetings. I have sweated bullets through some of those meetings. But I think that's the difference. You really, truly know what you're doing. And I focus on that. I focus on teaching, providing value. I'm not looking to take advantage of anybody. And some of the two-year experts, they, I mean, they're the bro marketers. We've all seen them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to ever show a picture of my flashy Lamborghini on, on social. I drive a mom SUV. I drive a Toyota SUV. I'm not super exciting. You but... do have a nice infinity pool. Yes. <laughs> I'm just I'm totally joking. I if you do, I no idea. I don't have an infinity pool, but I do have a swimming pool, and we do have a lot that backs up to the desert, and it is beautiful. No infinity pool though. No, no Lamborghini. <laughs> and none here either. So no. You'll find me in the school drop-off lane in the morning, and I love that. That's why I do this, because I can be the one to run him to school and drop him off and give him kisses and pick him up, and that's that's everything to me. It's worth it. Yeah, you found your motivation. Yeah, 100%. Well, let's get ready to wrap this up. Is there anything I haven't asked about that you'd like to talk about or add? I don't think so. I think you've done a good job of, guiding the conversation and asking questions that hopefully will help people learn a little bit more about SEO and content and hopefully make them excited to give it a try for themselves because it can work. It does work. I see it every day and I've seen it every day for more than 10 years. Okay. What, what final words of wisdom dealing with SEO would you like to share with us? Don't be afraid of it. Learn what to do. Don't try to go it alone. Yes, you can go it alone. You can learn from blogs. You can learn from YouTube. You still run the risk of making a lot of mistakes. You still run the risk of wasting your time, of choosing the wrong keyword, of doing all those things that we see where people don't get results. Whether you hire someone, you pay to take a class, you take a free training, it doesn't really matter. Just make sure that you're not learning from a two-year expert. You're learning from a true expert, whether it's me or someone else. That doesn't matter. Just make sure that you're learning from someone who knows What I would recommend you do is check their website, check their testimonials, go look them up on LinkedIn. Those two-year experts, 
learn much of anything about them on LinkedIn. But if you look at those who've been at this for a while, who've done it professionally, they're going to have a pretty good LinkedIn page. Okay. What's the best way for people to check you out and get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Through etchedmarketing.com is my website. You can find the free class there. You can find my opt-in, stuff like that. The social media channel I'm most active on is Instagram. So you can find me over there at Etched Marketing Academy. Send me a DM. Let me know that you saw me on this podcast on Entrepreneurs Over 40. Let's celebrate the fact that we're over 40 and on Insta and trying to be cool like the kids. (laughs) All right. Are you on TikTok? No. (laughs) But I'm not. So I'm not on TikTok because my husband is in cybersecurity and he is not comfortable with all the regulations and things with TikTok and how much information they want. So no, I've not. I don't have it. It's just yeah. not worth it. Well, it's not worth it. And I don't think that there's a lot of, you know, potential clients that you're missing out on. So I don't either. I was kind of throwing that out as more of a joke, but you never know when you throw these things out. Sometimes people bite. Some are, and there's a lot of pressure within the entrepreneurial world. It's shiny object syndrome. And that's, I think, one of the biggest things. Don't just chase shiny objects. Figure out what your strategy is. Because remember Clubhouse a year, year and a half ago? Everybody wanted to be on Clubhouse. You had to have an invitation. And it reminded me of Pinterest back in the day where you had to have an invitation to get a Pinterest board, a Pinterest account. Yes, TikTok is the darling today. TikTok's not going to be the darling in another year. Snapchat was the darling five years ago. Just pick one, focus on it do great things, and just really think about your ideal client. Where are they spending their time when they're maybe looking for the information that you have? Great advice. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you, Rachel, for being a guest on Entrepreneurs Over 40. Thank you. Check out the newly redesigned Entrepreneurs Over 40 website at www.entrepreneursover40.com. While you're there, sign up to get updates from us. Also, don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss any other episodes. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneurs Over 40. Check us out at entrepreneursover40.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast directory.